You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to the Morning Wake Up Call on 88.7 FM, Radio Hofstra University. You got myself, Luke Farrell. We got Dallas Jackson back. Dallas's dish is coming up, of course. Can't be, we're looking forward to that one. Michael Dent's also here with us, so we'll have that as well. Uh, Kevin Bunk will be with us next week uh, when the time comes. Nevertheless, lots of stories to get to, plenty to get involved with. I know we have some environmental stories coming up. That'll be a good time. I know there's some updates on uh, Ty- Tyree Nichols as well as George Santos coming up for local news. Uh, so granted, lots to look forward to here on the morning wake-up call. So stay tuned. And of course, you're home here for Long Island Life, national news, and international issues for the morning wake-up call. So welcome, everybody. Hope we're doing well. How's the week going? I know it's the first time back for the spring, but it's the last day of January, so I know we're looking forward to that. What's the what's the vibe looking like so far? The vibes are absolutely amazing. I've gotten very used to getting up this early in the morning, so it's always nice been going on my little walk from my dorm to the station. So very excited to be back in studio for another morning wake-up call. Uh... I personally didn't love my walk from <laughs> my dorm to the station. It's absolutely freezing outside. Um, but I feel bad for my roommate because <laughs> I'll be getting up early every day this week. So, But I personally, I'm enjoying it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm having a good time. Okay, that's good. I know I know. snow is coming. I know we'll have uh, Now, it's not a lot of snow. It's a mix. Mm-hmm. Remember, we've been spoiled. There was a whole AP article actually being like, NYC has not really gotten any significant snowfall. Yeah, I saw entire- it yesterday and it was like, New York, New York breaks like a 50 year streak of like amount of snow in January or something like that, which listen, I like snow from an aesthetic standpoint. I say it time and time again, when it starts getting like I have to actually deal with it. That's when I'm no longer a fan. So I'm not really complaining. Would yeah. a white Christmas have been fun? Yeah, but I um I liked it in high school a lot more because mm-hmm. I could actually get off of class for it. I can't get off. of class. That's now. true. That's true. Yeah, no, it's just a oh, virtual class. Like, what 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 are these kids going to learn now? They won't be able to understand about you know having a snow day off, mm-hmm. you know, doing anything like that. There's just going to be a special type of magic that you just can't you can't lose. Oh, Waking up late, playing in the snow, getting hot chocolate, amazing. Pajamas, pajamas, going by the fire, mm-hmm. you know, nothing. Can't do it anymore. But hey, you know, world changes, and we keep on changing with it. So we'll <laughs> go with that. Nevertheless, though, I know, Dallas, we got some news headlines that we have to get to if you want to go and do that. Of course, of course. So on Monday afternoon, at least 10 people were wounded in a drive-by shooting in Lakeland, Florida. President Biden recently announced that he will be ending COVID-19 emergencies on May 11th. This comes three years after they were first declared. President Biden told Congress on Monday that he will end the twin national emergencies addressing COVID-19. A Florida Republican in the House of Representatives sent a welcome basket of grenades to fellow Congress members. 
Corey Mills, a member of the Armed Services and Foreign Affairs Committee, sent four 40 millimeter grenades, each stamped with a Republican elephant, to fellow Congress members. With them came a letter with a line that read, quote, let's come together and get to work on behalf of our constituents. I don't know if that was his form of a welcome back present, but interesting. But in international news, a firm in Japan has opened whale meat vending machines in hopes of boosting sales across the country. And in terms of more national news, a Chicago prosecutor is dropping R. Kelly's sex abuse charges. And those are your headlines for this morning. Lots to unpack on that one. Why? Now, I, I'm curious for the whole grenade situation. Was it so was it fellow Republicans it or was, was it two Democrats? Congress members what? across the aisle. Like in the Guardian um, article that I read, mm. a Democrat was like, this is the wildest gift I've ever received in my entire life. Paraphrasing. But they, it, people were very shocked. It's an interesting present. They were not armed. All of them were like defunct. Okay. Um, they passed all the clearances to be like sent as gifts. Well, I, I guess at that rate, then I mean, it's it was just, more it's like odd. ceremonial, maybe or like symbolic. Were they all of part what? of the arms? Oh my, go go ahead. Symbolic of what though? I don't you? know. I'm assuming there's symbolic a symbolism. Symbolic friendship. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't friendship. know, how, but friendship grenades. Well, because like I I I get I guess one way if they're all on the armed services committee and I guess kind of like a, I don't know one of those ha ha kind of jokes. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe, like maybe. a grenade. I don't know. Yeah, I Corey Mills was doing it in his very own special way. Okay, and hey, every everybody does their own thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I, I know we have weather. I know we already mentioned it, but Michael, what, what weather we got today? What's the deal? So it's currently 42 degrees outside of our WHU studios here at Hofstra. And up in the sky, we have a little bit of snow, although right now it's a little rain drizzle. The rest of the day has an expected high of 42 degrees during the day and a low of 27 in the evening. And that's and that's it, I guess. Nothing, nothing that's, else that's to look really, for. Yeah, that's all right. That's Sounds it. good. I'm getting ready for the weather. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to get warmer again. Because hey, Groundhog Day is coming, folks. February second. I don't know about you. I really could care less about what Funk's Tawny Phil or Staten Island Chuck says. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm just waiting that hoping there is going to be at least a little bit of spring in there. I know it hasn't been super cold lately, but. I don't know. Any are we are we hoping for an early spring? Or I'm for hoping for a very early spring. I love spring weather. My outfits I feel like are a little bit better. Just the winter, I get in a headspace where I'm just like it's cold and I'm annoyed by it and I'm bothered by it. But the spring is when I think I hit my peak. Yeah, I um I actually prefer my winter outfits personally, but I um I'm just happier when it's warm weather out. Nice, nice. Not too bad. I mean, granted, I think we've already had an early spring for the most part anyways, Mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't be too surprised that that is still the case. Uh, Nevertheless, though, we are going to get to story number one today. Uh, And so, granted, lots more updates over here on the uh, Tyree Nichols situation and uh, murder charges that we have for the police officers involved through there. And the Memphis police have actually, uh, I guess what do you say, um, it's a fired, resigned, I, I don't know, fired, I would say, not definitely not resigned, uh, but fired on the 6th and 7th police officers, actually, in those situations. Um, the 7th one actually came only just a little bit last night. 6th officer was around 5 o'clock uh, over there on that end. Uh, for that instance, of course, um, the 6th officer there, who is white but not at the scene uh, through there as well, uh, had actually said, um, it was during a traffic stop they had, and so they quoted him as saying, uh, I hope they stomp his 
is what I can't say on the radio. Uh, but granted, I uh, had that through there as well. Uh, nonetheless, though, uh, Tyra Nichols' attorneys, at least his family's attorneys, have brought the issue of the fact that the white officer had been, quote, shielded and protected from the public eye while not being let go earlier, much like the five other officers who are black that were. Chief Sarahlyn Davis, or C.J. Davis, uh, the first black chief of police in the Tennessee city of Memphis, has said the lack of supervision was, quote, a major problem. And additionally, the fire department had fired three officials who were present at the scene who had, quote, failed to conduct an adequate assessment of the situation. Two of those were actually emerg emergency medical technicians who did not uh, sustain oh, wow. any medical service uh, to Nichols as well. So granted, lots of other updates going on with this story, but I know one issue that I guess had been resolved in, the pa in a couple of days before they had the scorpion union obviously mm -hmm. got disbanded through there um that was of course supposed to be put in to protect the neighborhoods but in fact they were in plain clothes had no police car and they all they had was like the police on the um what do you what do you call those? Vest? the vest exactly mm -hmm. like I, I don't know how that brings you any safety if mm -hmm. you're just gonna go because who knows it could be somebody else you don't know if that's police in any way until they step out of the car and on the topic of that i was actually like a special guest host on the morning show yesterday with danny uh decrescenzo and Gigi and hannah and it, we talked a lot about how we felt like and bruno bruno was also on the monday show but we talked a lot about how the scorpion unit is was instilled to like serve and protect the community which police officers their motto is to protect and serve but it inherently instills a sort of fear when you use an acronym like scorpion that doesn't give yeah. trust that feels inherently like i should be afraid of you mm. and the fact that you're a plainclothes officer who can't doesn't really aren't really easily identifiable if unless you like specifically know it doesn't instill trust in the community. How are you going to expect this community to look to you for guidance or for support if they can't really tell who you are? You're coming in with a very ominous name. And if you want to build community bonds and make situations like this, just build better relationships with the community. There's got to be better ways to do it than making yourself this big, scary monster. Mm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, th there's already a lot of mistrust in different communities with police organizations. And then you're going to bring in something like Scorpion. That makes it a lot worse. I mean, the acronym speaks for itself. So, and Interesting enough, actually. Again, the, the AP article just updated only this morning. But the EMTs that were mentioned had previously been suspended before. Uh, so it actually was not the first time they were suspended for an instance uh, this way. I think for me, the fact that EMTs also have to be punished for this, as they rightfully should, because they didn't do their jobs in this situation, makes it feel a little bit sadder because I don't want to... We keep seeing headlines about police abuse and over, like the overforce of police. But to know that there are m medical service teams that are like their job is to like care for anybody no matter what situation they're in and they and just, regardless of who they are and regardless course. of yep. who they are it didn't seem like they did that and again i don't want to i would never want to be put in that scenario where you're witnessing that and you have to like kind of stand up to the officers who are participating in this like that's got to be scary as well but to know that like more could have been done by so many people and it just didn't happen is very heartbreaking for me and anything else michael you're I just I just agree with Dallas on this one, to be honest. I don't really I don't have anything else other than that.
So then what, I guess, what would you say in terms of how the police force goes from here? Because obviously uh, CJ happens to be the first black uh, chief of police over there in Memphis, Tennessee. So how in, how in a sense does that function or work in terms of trying to bring any reconciliation, as Michael, you had mentioned, to that side of things? I, I, you, can go. you can go. I mean, we need, yeah, we, well, one big thing is we need transparency. We, we need to form bonds. We need maybe maybe through events, maybe through just just general not making this something that you should fear rather than be something to help you. Uh, but as of right now, it's something to fear. And it's, it's a terrible story. Mm -hmm. It's 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 horrible. And it's really awful happened. And it's not okay. I really think the way they, the way justice, like legally, legal justice was served kind of in a swift manner should be the standard for all yes. cases like and, this. And this was quick. It wasn't like you're waiting yeah. a week, like in, mm -hmm. in George Floyd's example, of course, where they're not really getting, you know, suspended for a long time. Mm -hmm. But now in this case, it's boom. You see the reaction, they're gone. So that, that's the plus, yes. I hope that sets the standard for cases like this, that it's dealt with swiftly, as well as it's dealt with in a very open manner. Because sometimes you hear about things getting swept under the rug or things not being released to the public for an exorbitant amount of time, but the way that this was dealt with from a, a legal standpoint should be setting the standard for f cases like this. Another thing that I think was done well was disbanding the unit because of obviously the inherent negative that it will carry with them for the rest of however long it would have existed for. But I do agree with Michael that w if you want something like that, to be done, you need to have the community bonds and you need to reform community trust. How will you go about that? That's a very difficult road to climb. I can't imagine that the community of Memphis will be very open for a very long time. Mm. But by starting at the ground level, like working with community resource programs, like I know in Boston, like BPD usually like visits schools and goes to like summer camps and like hangs out with kids and plays sports with them. I don't know if that's what they do in Memphis. They might. I can't speak for that situation, but building those bonds and showing that the police are here to help you and we're not only here to hurt people mm. or we don't always do the wrong thing because this is inherently was the wrong thing to do. Yep. And just showing that the police want to protect and serve people rather than not go about that. And I think the additional good plus in that is that you did have the body cam footage, of mm -hmm. course, because a lot of these other instances, you didn't have body cams because they weren't regulated or monitored or things of that nature. But I know there's the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act trying to get through Congress where federal officials or federal officers, should say, would have body cam footage on. Mm -hmm. uh, so having that as well would be a plus. Uh, but granted, I think, like you said, Dallas, it's really about those community partnerships because, like you said, Scorpion does not uh, give a good connotation spark, at all. Does not spark trust or, like, not the friendliness, openness. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there. Like if I needed help, I don't know if I would call Scorpion. Mm -mm. It's like, uh, it's like in those like action movies. There's always like the, like this like bad group. Mm -hmm. what, it reminds me of GI Joe, Hydra for uh, yeah. Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same same way. Yeah. You know, Cobra from GI Joe. Yeah. That's what I thought of. Cobra Kai, I guess Karate Kid, I mean, <laughs> anything. It just has like the scary animal names. I don't mm -hmm. know. Like that's a, can we leave those behind? Can we leave those behind in 2022? That's right. Like terms like SWAT and Scorpion. Mm. Can we just say like special police task force instead of trying to like, in my head, it feels like we're glorifying it one way or another. I know Scorpion like was an acronym for something. I can't remember what it is, but I'm not a big I fan. Can, uh, I can look it up quick yeah. for you. 
I just don't, I, I don't like it. I don't like when we're using like scary, inherently scary terms for like community servants because that's what it, police are supposed to be. It was something in our neighborhoods, I remember. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Nope, that's a different one. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple others in here. <laughs> keep uh, keep going. I mean, I mean, sadly, some people, uh, if I'm being really honest, some people just think it sounds cool. Okay. I know. So just like, just I got it. It's the street crimes operation to restore peace in our neighborhoods. 50 See, person unit. <laughs> yeah. Peace doesn't. Scorpion, like an animal, scorpion peace doesn't doesn't go hand in hand in my brain. I don't see the connection. Well, you got to get the PR marketing teams to get a new uh, new acronym going. Yeah, I want to know who's on the PR team to who cleared this name. We I want to see what the brainstorming sessions were. We got PR teams here. Swing Agency can help out. You need True. a new name. You need anything? They can definitely do it. Shout out Swing Agency. Yeah, I, I know, Michael. You got you got a report going or anything you want to add for us for our next spot? Yeah, I got. A, I got. So yeah, I got a report on Super Bowl advertisement prices this year. So, for some, it's their favorite part of the big game, and no, it's not the halftime show, and it's not Patrick Mahomes. It's commercial breaks. Yeah, commercial breaks. <laughs> the Super Bowl is notorious for its funny advertisements throughout the game, with a viewership as large as the Super Bowl. Each viewer has the potential to become a customer. Companies know just how important it is to take advantage, and advantage is often taken through comedy in many cases. Advertisements are at a record high price this year, as reported by Fox. Throughout the next decade, TV companies are projected to pay over $100 billion for the right to broadcast NFL games, resulting in this price spike. The prices for the advertisements in the big game throughout the years are as follows. In 2019, it was $5.2 million. In 2020, $5.6 million. In 2021, $5.6 million again. 2022, 6.5 million, and in 2023, now 7 million. Uh, Anheuser-Busch is expected to have the heaviest presence in this year's game. Abigail Gentrup of FOS reported the company spent over three and a half times the amount of ads this year as their competitors. The company's airtime will total to three minutes throughout the game. For this to happen, $20 million were spent. Other brands are expected to have a heavy presidents such as Bud Light and Michelob Op Ultra. It's also worth noting that Pepsi is no longer the sponsor of the halftime show. Apple Music has taken its place. Pepsi had been the sponsor for the past half decade and was synonymous with the show. It's new era. Apple Music is paying the NFL $50 million a year to sponsor and will begin this year. Fifty million bucks for a—that's so much money. What fifteen-minute performance? Yeah, which like understandable, I guess. But I just think like Super Bowl commercials are fun. They're like cool, but at the same time, I can't imagine the amount of money companies have to spend. And some of them aren't good. Like some of them are kind of lame. I like avocados from Mexico. They do. They have a pretty fun one sometimes. Mm -hmm. I feel like Doritos. They, they Doritos always, always have good ones. Well, they had the fan one, but they took that one out, right? Didn't they have that <laughs> fan competition for a number of years where they had the fan-made commercials? So. Yeah. I don't think it was, what, maybe two, three years ago they took it out? Mm -hmm. I don't know. They might have done their own, but I'm surprised $7 million. It went all the way up that much for 30 seconds, right? Is that is that how it is? 30 seconds for, 70, for $7 million, I should say? Yeah. I I um yeah I don't see for me personally I mean this is me personally but I don't I don't watch any commercials I don't watch the halftime show I I just pace back and forth stressing over the game especially because my team's in it this year yeah mm -hmm. so there will be a lot of pacing there will be no commercials watched and there will be no halftime show watched by me only Twitter updates okay. that's fair I think for me it's hit or miss on whether I watch the commercials um 
so if I'm bored of the first couple, then I'll just like switch the channel to something else. If mm-hmm. there's something else going on, like I'll watch the news or if like there's a show that I know that I like, I'll watch that until the commercials are over. Halftime show, I am a big fan of the Super Bowl halftime show. Beyonce's with uh, Bruno, Bruno Mars. Mars and Coldplay, yeah. Listen, I'm going to tell everyone right now, I am a, the biggest fan of Bruno Mars probably in North America. Oh. So I was screaming my head off. I was which, so excited. Which album? Is the best one. Okay. Doo-Wops and Hooligans is one of my favorites. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with Doo-Wops and Hooligans. An Orthodox Jukebox, though? Is that... I think I, I find myself keep going back to Doo-Wops and Hooligans to listen all the way through. Okay. But Unorthodox Jukebox is a classic, and nobody does it like Bruno, in my opinion. Do you think Bruno Mars should have be Kendrick Lamar, though, for the Grammy? It was XXX against 24 Karat Magic. N- no. Yeah, that was... No. I'm like... Kendrick won a darn Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. I mean, and you miss on the Grammy for yeah. Bruno Mars. I also think the Grammys historically have done Kendrick dirty. Um, oh, yeah. Throwback to when he lost to Macklemore. Um, mm. No shade. But I think Kendrick fully earned that because he was the he's the first rapper to win a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Which is an insane feat. Mm. So shout out to Kendrick. Well, I guess back back for any Super Bowl stuff. Is there? I mean, I know that with commercials and all that, one thing that was a big deal the other day in the Pride Guide office that we had was the fact that the M&M spokes candies were suspended uh, because of the uh, uh, Dallas Dallas I get ready. I am so annoyed by the conversations around the M&M spokes candy, specifically Tucker Tucker Carlson talking about like the green m&m with the shoes no longer being like sexually attractive or whatever which i'm just like tucker why is this what you're spending time talking about like Mm. there's no reason to be this up in arms over the fact that they stopped putting her in boots she just doesn't wear boots anymore well but now now you have maya rudolph because i actually saw the the new commercial they Mm -hmm. had with her but it's like my and yes and i was like "Uh, okay but i i like the smokes candies i mean i like the smokes candies a lot i really think they're a fun marketing tool um, I also think there was like a weird amount of controversy going back to Tucker Carlson. He was talking about how like there's a new Eminem and the just, purple one, the purple one. And mm-hmm. he described her as like obese or whatever, which she's just a peanut Eminem. Like the yellow Eminem is also just a peanut Eminem. So I don't know why he felt the need to be like, oh, the Eminems are promoting obesity. She's just a different brand of M&M. I mean, it's the thing is I don't understand is that it is a fictional piece of candy with Literally. eyes and shoes, and I think that is the least of people's problems. Why are we so up in arms about this? Mm-mm. Like, I it's sad because they're fun, and I know like when I went to Maryland, where my dad's from, there was like a candy store, and they had like the little M&M stuffies, and I remember that so vividly. And now I'm just like, wow, kids can't have M&M. Plush toys anymore. Well, remember, it's it's suspended. It doesn't suspended. mean they're gonna they're gonna be gone forever. But uh, I don't know. Well, then it's like I wonder if Mars already made a commercial because they probably already did. Hello, oh my gosh, Al- Alexa Servo just walked by the studio. Fun, fun. But, We'd love to see it. But uh, granted, yeah, no, it's like what are they gonna do now? Because if they made a commercial, then they probably have to scrap it, make a new one for mm-hmm. however much the budget's gonna be costing over there. It's like what? Why go through all that anyways? Why can't you just you know stick it to Tucker Carlson and say, listen, we're gonna keep using our spokes candies because one, they're very popular. People mm-hmm. are gonna enjoy doing it. But at the same time, I kind of like if they take it out, maybe people will just buy M and M's anyways because the spokes candies are still on the M and M's. And yeah. maybe once they take it off, maybe the, I don't. I don't know. It's just I don't know exactly what Mars is doing there. Granted, Mars is a private company; they can do whatever the heck they want. Uh, but I I don't know. So. Mm-hmm. 
mean, I just I just find them fun. I don't know. I, I find like like spouse candies, and you have like little characters. I find it fun. They all had like distinct personalities. Exactly. I think that was really fun. The the one commercial though, when when it happened a number of years ago, it was the one with the sexy and I know it commercial. That one, that one was. I don't interesting. remember this one. You never saw that one. It was where it was the uh, red and uh, there's a green. I think the green M M&M and M were at a party, but it was the the brown M M&M, and M. So it was the new M M&M and M that just came with the spokes candy. And then like he he took off his shell and then like that's he, crazy. Like, that's <laughs> wild. Waving that's... it like a towel and all that. It was. It was really weird. That must have been, oh gosh, 2012, 2011, oh, maybe wow. a long time ago. Or actually, no, no, sexy. I know it was 20, 2009. Oh dang, no, it was it was 2010s. All right, let me let me see. I want to say 2009. That's where I'm going. I'm 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 assuming 2009. Any favorite commercials we've uh, we've seen? It was uh, 2011. Oh. Oh okay. Any favorite commercials we've seen? Commercials. I can't really think of any. No, I always like the 1984 one though for Apple. That that one's just oh, always mm-hmm. kind of out there. I'm not a big fan of c- most car commercials. I've come to realize. I think they all are the same. They all have the same weird gravelly voice person. With Matthew McConaughey for Lincoln. <laughs> oh. I remember. I remember when I was a kid um, on Cartoon Network. I would always see this one. It was like. Don't, and don't quote me on this. I might give the number wrong. It was like one two hundred five eight eight six two hundred and more today or something like that. Oh, I can't. I I, I might I, remember that. I I can't remember the first three digits of that, but I always remember them seeing that mm-hmm. when I was watching um anything. I, it was it was such a and like there was like a cartoon guy who would like walk up his wall, <laughs> and it was like 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 it was like some exorcist type stuff. But he would like walk mm. up the wall and and he'd be walking on the ceiling. I mean it was. <laughs> But I always that commercial always strikes me and JJ Wentworth eight seven seven cash. Yeah, yes. yeah. JG Wentworth. Yeah. When oh, they're JG. singing on That's the right. when they're singing on the bus, that one's fun. I don't I don't know if there's any other commercials uh, I would I would think of for that. Alexa is spamming my phone to talk about the puppy monkey baby. Oh um, yes, Mountain, Mountain Dew commercial. Yeah. Yep. You never seen Puppy Monkey Baby? No, I haven't seen that one. What's that one? That it one is a puppy, a monkey, and a baby in one body. <laughs> it's infamous <laughs> and famous at the same time. It is so creepy, and it just keeps saying Puppy Monkey Baby. That's all it says. That's it? That's the entire commercial? Wow. And it's for Mountain Dew, which I'm not a Mountain Dew drinker, but... I really liked uh, well, the, the planter's strategy, I thought, was great. They kill off Mr. Peanut, <laughs> and then they bring Mr. Peanut back. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. Like, what if M&M's do that? What if Mars is like, okay, we're going to, like, kill off the M&M Spokes Candies because of Tucker Carlson, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're, they're back. back with the vengeance. They're Redemption. back with the vengeance. That's right. M and M and M. Also, I found out it's Mars and and Murray. I believe is what M and M stands for. Oh. I remember it was always Mars, but I forgot who the second M was. But it's the same were... as like Mars bars. Is that the same company? Yes. Okay. Cool. They also own like Iams and like a lot of pet food. Oh. Yeah, Mar- Mars is a really big company, but it just it's never been public on the stock market, so mm. it's it's always been private. So. Hershey's got the one up on that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the so, more you know. There you go. Ba-da-da-da. All right. Uh, but we are going to go to our last story uh, that we have here for the block. It's, well, I guess we be a little bit shorter on this end, so we only have a couple minutes on that spot. Um, granted, this one was from Kevin. Again, you couldn't make it today. Uh, but granted, Kevin, hope you're doing well. Safe travels home, please. Uh, but granted, uh, this is going through on the international side. Les Michael, you wanted to take that one? Or? Yeah, I got Yeah, it. go ahead, please. During a crowded prayer session in a Pakistani mosque, a suicide bomber detonated multiple explosives. 44 people were killed, subject to change, while over 150 people were wounded. This particular mosque is located within a police compound. The majority of the victims were officers. 
Shortly after the attack, the Pakistani Taliban claimed responsibility for the bombing on Twitter. There were 300 prayer goers at the time of the bombing. Most of the damage was done due to the explosive causing a roof to collapse. As always, a thorough investigation will take place regarding the bombing. Many are wondering how the bombers slipped past the walls of the compound and into the mosque. Another concern unrelated to the investigation is the cooperation between the Pakistani Taliban and the Afghan Taliban, the group who now has control of neighboring Afghanistan. The former prime minister of Pakistan said that the nation must take firm and quick action against those behind the attack. We can only hope nothing more comes from this. Stories like this are very gut-wrenching, especially when you think about places like mosque and temple and churches in general or communi- places of community. Yeah. Synagogues as well are very large places of community and where people are supposed to find like peace and like joy with one another. And it's really hard, sad to see that they become places where you can't feel safe. And it's a terrible thing. And I send all my best to everyone involved and their families and their loved ones. And stuff like this is always damaged to the timeline whenever you see it pop up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I, it, it's terrible. I, I extend prayers, thoughts, condolences uh, to, to all those involved, all those impacted. Um, it's it's just terrible because, kind of like Dallas was saying, prayer is a like going to pray at a church. It's, it should be a safe space. It's sacred, and and it, but even there, you're at risk. I mean, it's. It's I, I don't I don't even have too many words to say. I think it's just terrible. Yeah. We got uh, the uh, update actually was seventy four now. So that was that was the newest from the AP there. Mm. Uh granted of course it's interesting to see how the Interconflict though within the religion is there because obviously you have the Sunni and Shiite Muslims, which again it's two different things. I, I always forget the the reasoning as to why, but that's on that. But granted, with the new I guess government within the Taliban over there in Afghanistan, how do, how does that function mm-hmm. through these relationships as well? And you also have to think like, was this specifically because when you think about the fact that this particular mosque was located within a police compound, did the fact that they were officers have anything to do with that, or was it just a random attack? There is a lot to think about when it comes to this tragedy. We'll have to we'll have to see how it goes at some point in time, so mm-hmm. we'll see for that. Uh, granted, though, hopefully that these do not happen, no matter how far it is away. It could be a block away from your house, or it could be 5,000 miles away, if anything. You know, we've obviously seen Church of Life Synagogue shooting that happened a while back. Uh, there was the, the one in Pennsylvania, I believe, wasn't there one? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a church shooting there. Obviously, the one down in South Carolina, I believe, that was there as well. So granted, you know, lots of things to worry about when it comes to religious freedoms, regardless of where you are mm-hmm. in society. Uh, that definitely has that as well. But what what do we think we'd say is the, I guess, most determining factor in this? I, I guess not, not necessarily in this case, but we'll say in other uh, instances of religious hate or bias in the Americas and whatnot. How does that play a role, if anything, you think? I think when it comes to people having opposing viewpoints, it always is grounds for tension. But to see that how far people can take that tension rather than it just being like we view life aspects of life differently, I think the extremes that people can take it to I can't find a way to wrap my mind around it. I personally am not a very religious person. I know people who do, and that doesn't give me ill will. There's no feelings of feeling threatened by them. So I just think when it comes to religion, we just need to, as a society as a whole, just need to find a better way to live more harmoniously between one another when it comes to stuff like that. 
No, yeah, I mean, completely agree. It's like when it comes to religion, you're one religion and somebody's another one. It, it's not. I don't know why why some people view it as like a like a rival mm-hmm. or like a, like competition. It's yeah. not. It's not competition. It's it's belief. It's faith. I mean. And this has been going on for for quite quite a long time, like like centuries and centuries and mm-hmm. centuries, going back to to wars fought over religion. I mean, it's just religion is very grounded in the way a lot of societies are run and conducted. So I think if it's so tied into the structure of your environment, then I guess it st- creates grounds for like when there's an opposing viewpoint, it feels like a t- an attack on your structure. But at the same time, again, we just need to find ways to just acknowledge that we are different but we have the same um same belief in the concept of faith if that makes sense hopefully we can get to that point in time where everyone can be accepted for that and thankfully in the united states we have that ability to do that for freedom of religion there uh granted we are going to come back for our second block i know dallas you have your immigration story coming up on the cbp one app over there uh but first we are going to go take a quick music break but we'll see you on the other side Hey, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call only on 88.7 FM WRHU. Welcome back, everybody. Kate Bush is uh, running up that hill, of course. Always a cla- a new classic, I guess we'll say now, since it came back from that Stranger Things season over there. Uh, but nevertheless, Dallas, I know we're getting right into that second story here. Well, I guess second block that we have. Uh, so feel free to take it away. Of course. So, as we know, immigration has always been a major storyline across the U.S., but for those trying to seek asylum in the United States, more barriers have seemed to arise, despite our government's best efforts. On January 12th, the Biden administration launched an online appointment system through the U.S. Customs and Border Protection website and the CBP-1 mobile app. This system is the only way for migrants to get immigration exceptions and is considered a major step in the government's efforts to overhaul border enforcement, especially post-pandemic. The service allows migrants to make appointments up to two weeks in advance at one of eight crossing sites. Four are located in Texas, one is located in Arizona, and two are in California. Now, in theory, this plan sounds amazing. However, many problems have arisen. According to officials, the site frequently freezes and locks people out, Error messages are common, and for some of those who make it, make it and select an appointment date, many report never receiving a confirmation code. At a migrant camp in Tijuana, only, only two of more than 1,000 migrants were able to book an appointment in the first two weeks of the service's launch. For some migrants, when appointments open at 6 a.m., they may spend the entire day on the site only to walk away with nothing. This plan is a major effort to deter migrants from entering the U.S. illegally, but as some face months of waiting, the service seems to be a virtual failure. I think there's definitely a lot of issues through there. I was looking through the uh, bullet points here that were on this spot. Um, apparently, there's a requirement that migrants have to apply in northern and central Mexico for the app. Uh, but granted, there's migrants that come from other places mm-hmm. than just Mexico. Uh, so there's that. And apparently, Haitians have the roughest time with that. But, oh, Michael, you got something? Go ahead. Yeah, also, it, it's it's worth noting that uh, the only two languages that it is in uh, is English and Spanish, which is... Which is a major accessibility uh, problem in general. Like, Luke, what you brought up for people who are, like, from coming from Haiti or Haitian, the dominant language there is Creole, so they mm-hmm. complain a lot about, like, they're not well-versed in English or Spanish. And so if it was translated into Creole, 
it would be a lot easier for them. But the U.S. Customs Agency did announce that they have plans to launch a Creole version in February, but there don't seem to be any plans for other languages. So if you're trying to get people to come legally to the United States, maybe offering a wide variety of translations for your services if you want to streamline this process and make it much more accessible to and others. Then you think of like, you know, let's say India or China, for example, you have so many different languages and structures mm-hmm. in those countries there that a lot of people might come for like student visas and things like that. So that could definitely be an issue too, if anything else. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I think digitally it's a great idea and I think there's promise for it, but like all promises, there's always a bunch of road bumps and blockages in the way and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Uh, but any anything else, Michael, that you saw that was of uh, importance at all? Yeah, I, I thought, so activists, one, th- one thing that stood out to me, activists uh, were talking about how there's there's no option to alert of LGBTQ status. Uh, there, so there are different things that you can mention, to like on the website, you can say that you're pregnant, you could say you're at risk, but there are some countries where being LGBTQ, where, where that, that itself is a risk, mm-hmm. where, where, where it's not accepted, where, where it's homophobic, and, and there's some say that there should be a there should be an option to to report that and maybe and maybe give a sense of priority because they are in some cases in danger for that mm. i really do agree with that because as michael mentioned there's a lot of countries where being in that community is illegal and could actually get you killed so if somebody is seeking to enter the united states in hopes of a better situation for themselves and that is like their main priority and main focus and that can't be addressed or that can't be explained through the service i do think it's an oversight by the u.s government when it comes to that hopefully they make a change and make that an option to say the reason why i need to do this is because of my gender identity my sexuality and things like that it would be really important to do so but i just think it's a really good concept it just needs to be fixed and worked out a little bit more because the fact that only in a two-week span two of a thousand people who are trying to apply only two people could get in is crazy, especially if you're trying to travel with family. That might make it a little bit more chaotic. Yeah. So it just needs to get a little bit better. I mean, what what if you don't have a phone? You know, what if you don't have any technology mm-hmm. purposes and things like that? I mean, sure, they probably have, you know, paper applications and all that stuff. But even then, it could be an accessibility issue, if anything else. But is there anything like Department of Homeland Security had noted on there or anything they were going to mention that they were going to do otherwise? Um. Well, the way it works now is you need to be near the U.S.-Mexico border, they're hoping to kind of expand the range Yeah, because again, it's like if if you're not there, like if you're coming from Cuba or something, let's say, mm-hmm. you can't do that. I mean, it's just not feasible. And but. I think more of it seems to just trying to be working out tech issues, like in terms of people getting locked out, people, the service freezing, people not being allowed to like receive a confirmation code, even if they schedule an appointment date and time. Mm. Um, because in another story, there was a group of uh, Venezuelan migrants who thought they believed that they made it through the entire process and then they were turned back at the border once they arrived because this other side of the system didn't have a record of them getting an appointment which i just think if it just needs to be over not necessarily overhauled it just needs the technical issues needs to be worked out because if you go through the process and you think it's all set for you to just go to your appointment and then you get there and they're like you need to go back because we don't have a record of you that's just an inherent disservice I mean, where's the, like, where's the, like, national media outrage for this in the sense that, like, remember with Taylor Swift Ticketmaster? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's obvious I am not comparing Taylor Swift Ticketmaster to this, but what I am saying is the site had tech issues, it was overwhelmed, and there's and there's coverage everywhere. I, I know I reported on it. It, it, was, it was a bunch of stuff going on, 
uh, people were freaking out over social media. I'm not I'm not seeing the same attention. And this is a much more important story. There's a much more important uh, site to have and make sure that it's up and running. So. Yeah, I do agree with you that more people should be talking about this issue because it's unfair and it's a sad situation to see that these people will sit on the site from 6 a.m. until whenever they have to get off the site and walk away with no appointments just because of techno like technological malfunctions and issues. I, I can't help but wonder. I mean, I know I know there's obviously a, a multitude of, of people using the site, but I, but I can't help but wonder what, what what's going on behind the scenes on the site in the sense that how much attention is really being put into this because because we do have other sites we have sites and apps that have millions and millions of users at a time and they don't crash and then you would think that with a site like this that would be absolutely prioritized in that mm-hmm. and and that like i don't want to say oh what could go wrong every every time you say what could go wrong something's going to go wrong yeah in my opinion uh, i've seen too many movies for that but it, it's i don't i don't i don't know i, I Where's the prioritization? Mm-hmm. I think they just don't have it yet, at least. I mean, I, I think it, it is a new function, and I think maybe at that point there might just be some learning curves for that. But granted, these should have probably been done in the beta stage exactly. mm-hmm. or something exactly. in the planning process. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, it's whoever you have that's working on the app that also could have maybe have some biases or things of that nature involved as well. So that could also be a case, too. But we'll have to see what happens. Granted, there's always going to be something going around if need be. Uh, otherwise, though, we have our next story that we have. I know for the Amtrak tunnel site, I believe was this was this Kevin's or I forget was this Mike. This was this was Kevin's, but I'll take it. Okay, go ahead, Michael. You good? An Amtrak tunnel connecting Philadelphia and Washington D.C. has become the center of attention for Amtrak and President Biden. The 150-year-old railroad tunnel was built while Ulysses S. Grant was president. The tunnel has not been modified since and has now become a threatening part of the Amtrak line. Officials say there is a fear of tunnel collapsing while the train moves through it. In order in order to safely move inside the tunnel, the railer must go at a speed of 30 miles an hour to avoid the tunnel imploding. A trillion dollar infrastructure deal has the tunnel slated to be replaced. In a decade, the plan for the tunnel is to have two tubes with four tracks, which would allow for up to 100 miles per hour speeds while traveling. This project means a lot to the president because he used to commute from Delaware to the nation's capital. And he experienced this flaw leg of the railway. The fact that we're still operating a tunnel system that could implode if we don't go at a speed of 30 miles per hour is insane. I am not an engineer. Um, I don't want to speak for all the engineers across the world, but this feels like it should have been done a lot earlier in history because... It's it's just an inherent safety issue because if the tunnel can collapse, if we exceed a speed of 30 miles per hour, I don't know the average speed of a train, but if trains can go up to 100 miles per hour, I think this tunnel isn't suitable for the modern day of train travel. It does. It doesn't make sense. I would. I, you know. I'd be worried. I remember that like Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three like instance where the Lincoln Tunnel exploded and all that. I'm like, I hope that doesn't happen with this. But that would be. I mean, in this case, it would be because of the train car, not because of anything else. But 
Granted, I think there's a lot of issues in infrastructure there. I know we had the bipartisan bill for infrastructure, but granted, how much of that is going towards anything, I'm not entirely sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they did say that Maryland's agreed to commit $450 million for construction uh, when it comes to things like that. But there also is a group called Residents Against the Tunnels that, uh, quote, uh, from the AP article, quote, opposes the project out of concern that the construction, use of the tunnel for freight and noise and vibration from passing trains would be detrimental to the neighborhood located above. Above. Uh, so granted, there is some dissension in terms of mm. the tunnel itself. Uh, what alternate path there would be, I, I don't know, uh, but curious on that end. I, I don't see an alternate path. I mean, I think it's I think it's unfortunate for the people who live in that neighborhood. But I mean, this kind of has to be prioritized. This has been this has been ongoing since the 1980s. It, it was it was acknowledged in the 80s that something had to be done. Mm-hmm. And it's 2023 and nothing's been done. I'm I'm sorry, but th- this needs to be prioritized. This needs to this project needs to happen, uh, regardless of, of the the neighboring communities. Yeah. In my in my in my opinion, that's my opinion, not Hofstra's. But I yeah I see I see that exactly like it's gonna be annoying if you live above the train system, but at the same time, this is a safety issue, and if the train system that you live above like implodes, that feels like it's gonna be a bigger issue for you. So I think a much bigger issue. A much bigger issue. So I do think the renovations are 100% necessary because it's just not safe for anybody. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being like a train conductor who has to work there. I can't imagine using that to commute anywhere. Um, but I do think the United States needs a better system for land travel. Mm-hmm. Like if we had that, like, do you remember when people talked about the plan for like a cross-country railway system where it was like, like modeled that? People wanted, like how in Japan they have the super speed trains. The uh, Shinkansen, yes. Yes. Having that in the United States, which I think would be probably more environmentally friendly so we don't have to fly that often. But those are my two cents. But I do think we have to deal with the plenty of infrastructure issues that just exist across the country currently. I think, too, also, it like, it, say say this didn't happen, say, say there's no coverage on this, I guarantee you if in the next few years the train does collapse, Everyone who opposes is going to be like, well, where was the attention? Why weren't mm-hmm. we doing this? They're going to say, I'm devastated for my community. Do you, you have a chance to prevent that? Prevent it. Yeah. I'm curious when President if, when President Biden was sent or if he ever brought it up to the uh, Maryland constituents being like, hey, listen, I, I've been on this train for a while. And, like, it's not, it's tunnel, not great. It's not great. not doing great. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I guess maybe maybe it just didn't happen, mm-hmm. but obviously didn't have the power because, granted, if you're a senator from Delaware, you don't, I don't even know if you, really if you have a jurisdiction for doing that. Uh, but, granted, I, I don't know. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I'd be worried about that. I know when I go on trains sometimes, at least over here on the island, too, it's like some of, some of the spots are a little uh, iffy every now and again. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean, I'm lucky on trains, I guess, because my the biggest concern I've ever had on a train, well, the two was the first time I took the LIRR, I was petrified that I was going to miss Penn Station. Um, <laughs> and it's only that and Wi Fi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are my only two days. I mean, to have to worry about uh, like dying mm-hmm. when, you, when, when you step on the track. I mean, my goodness. Also, the fact that it's like 150 years old, that's like really cool, like historically. It could be a museum. It could be a museum. We could turn it into a museum. It'd be a really cool one. Like, I don't really know much about Usilis S. Grant, but that's a very long time ago. Was, I do know that's an insanely long time ago. I mean, like, to put it in context, I mean, about, like, the museum part. I'm not saying make it a museum, although it would be cool. I would I would visit. But, I mean, think of, like, extremely old houses. People don't still, like, 
they don't. Well, actually, they, the, some some historical houses you can, but they they've been true. obviously been that's refurnished and true. they have like AC yeah. and things that's, in that's them. That's what I was going with. They've been yeah. updated. Yes, it's not it's not just left as is. Like, mm-hmm. no. But trillion a trillion dollars is a lot of money. It is a. It's a lot ton. of money. It's probably money well spent <laughs> to make sure the train is safe for modern use, mm. but. I, I think as we learned on the last show I had, obviously the debt ceiling's there, but to the U.S. government, a trillion dollars is like chump change. They're like, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, trillion dollars? Nah, we're It'll good. be fine. Yeah, we'll be all right. Probably like, what, 38 trillion in debt, 39 trillion in debt? What was the number? I don't mm, I don't remember. So I believe it's 36. Oh, is it 36? Unless they changed it now. Actually, there's the debt, uh, the debt timeline. What is it? The U.S. debt uh, calculator? Let's yeah. see what we got. I do know that they got to figure that out sooner rather than later, in my personal opinion. Okay. Oh, the dead clock. My apologies. We are at. Oh, you know, th- we actually overestimated. Only thirty-one trillion dollars. <laughs> thirty-one trillion dollars. Yeah. Look at that. Okay. Dude, we can treat ourselves to some Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. We'll see. I don't know, but. Granted, I know while we may not have $31 trillion, what we do have is hosier. So we're going to take you in for that. And then we're going to get to our last story before the top of the hour. This is your wake-up call. You're listening to Radio Hofstra University, available worldwide at WRHU.org. And work's on by Hosier there, and I know while we may not be at work over here, we do have work that happens in life. And granted, I don't know about you all, but people get some bad bosses sometimes. I don't know if that's the experience with you, but apparently uh, everyone knows that you know you, you get a bad boss again every now and a while. It can happen, and certainly it has some detrimental effects to your work, your productivity, and all that nature. But is it really as bad as a bad marriage? Um, granted, uh, apparently according to research in the ultimate Kronos Group, also known as UKG out there, uh, it is. Uh, employers were polled and said that managers and spouses were equal in their effects of impact on their mental health at 68% of respondents. Uh, doctors and therapists weren't even that much. Doctors were 51%. Therapists were at 41%. So why necessarily is it the case? Uh, Ian Adair, author of Stronger Than Stigma from the article, it said that, quote, the definition of leadership is changing. It's more about taking care of the people doing the work and not just the work itself. And that leaders should be subject to improve the well-being of others around them if they do struggle with the stress and emotions evolved around work. So granted, I, have we all had any like really bad bosses once in, in, in a while? Anything like that? I mean, for me, no. I've had some pretty okay bosses, but I do know like when it comes to leadership in general, there's an inherent... Um, there's inherently room for like an abuse of power so I do completely empathize with people who go through that experience because I think it's like it's hard to work a job and then go every day and interact with a person who makes it harder to do your job or makes it makes you not want to come into work or you have to interact with them for long periods of time so I do completely agree with the article that it's up to managers to make an environment where people feel supported and appreciated and comforted and when that's not happening of course people don't want to go into work. Of course people want to quit. And when we talk about like the workforce and people are like, oh, Gen Z all want to just do quiet quitting. And in my brain, my interpretation of quiet quitting is just like not doing not doing what you're paid for. Like you're doing the work that you are on a salary for. You're not doing the additional labor that people expect people in the workforce to do without like proper like 
retribution, if that is the right word I want to use. So I think like we've been stigmatizing people just talking about having negative work experiences for too long in society. And I think we just need to adapt to be like, maybe the way the workforce is structured is the problem rather than individual people. I'd, th- I'd think of the quiet quitting kind of like, I'm going to I'm gonna use the term matching energy. And what I mean by that is, look, te- technically speaking, technically speaking, not saying I agree with it, a boss only has to do the bare minimum. A boss doesn't have to go the extra mile. Granted, a boss can't go the extra mile to make you miserable. The boss doesn't have to go the extra mile to give you a good environment. Well, you don't have to go the extra mile uh, and and stay two to three hours late for work and do and do all these extra things for the boss. So if the boss is going to do the minimum that the boss has to do, the employer the employees are going to do the minimum that the employees have to do. And the, is it functional? Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, a boss a boss wants to focus on for the most part. Unless you're Michael Scott, you want to focus on productivity <laughs> over absolutely anything over absolutely anything. So. Some some people, some bosses think that to prioritize that productivity, that it's it's like tyranny. You say do this, then do this, 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 rather than working with you, and rather than um, an error like working with you about it, just yelling and yelling and yelling. No, that's not going to increase productivity. That's going to increase fear and discouragement. So I think healthier work environments where there's more communication, where there's uh, actual focus on growth rather than mm-hmm. what you did wrong. I, I think that's that will lead to a much, much better product than you get into the match. Everybody's matching the energy. It becomes a level of pettiness. It's, it's not good. And, and you need the productivity. I mean, granted, like you said, Michael, it's like you have this replication almost. If, you know, a boss isn't really going to do anything, then why, why should everybody else do it, yeah. you know? I, I always like to say, because granted, you know, doing all the leadership stuff that I guess, you know, everybody does around here that granted it's, it's good that if you can show that example or that you can do something that, you know, you would want your other, you know, people to do, they'll mm-hmm. also do that as well. Because granted, you want to set the example yourself, if anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, obviously, I think for bosses, though, I think sometimes they get a bad rap because granted, they, they got a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of insider knowledge and things like that. And I understand some bosses are not great. I know we've probably all seen that Jennifer Aniston movie, The Horrible, Horrible Bosses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's going to be things of that nature, but I think at the end of the day, there's also bosses that do a really good job, uh, and granted, don't really take that power structure there, or at least they're helping their workers, because mm-hmm. granted, sometimes, like you said, it's that tyranny there. you got the one person there, and everybody's below you, so you can just stomp on everybody else, uh, but certainly should be there to uplift everybody through that space, if anything, too. So, um, something that this story made me think of on TikTok, I've been seeing a lot of people, like, how I protect my peace being in a working environment, and it's like... When I clock out, I don't answer my phone if it's somebody who I work with. Like people are talking about like, oh, the amount of times my boss will text me when I'm not on work hours asking if I could do something, if I can hop on a meeting. And they're putting forward the they're putting forward the message that you should say no because those are not hours that you're slotted to work and they weren't pre-negotiated. Like not letting your boss like spring things on you or being like, can you take on this additional project without like consulting you first? And I think that's a really important message because I think being for me personally, being young, I sometimes think that I have to do stuff like that to get people to like like me or get a better position in a company. But I do understand how bur- it can lead to burnout or it can lead to dissatisfaction if you're taking on so much additional work and not being properly like compensated for it or feeling like you're 
doing the most you're doing more than other people and not getting acknowledged for it i mean i about the like going the extra mile part that you were just talking about i think for me personally it depends on what the job is like if i'm just doing a summer job like say i'm working at uh like a restaurant or something like that or a grocery store i'm not going the extra mile for that personally because that's not my passion but if i'm working on my passion Mm -hmm. boss text me i got you Mm -hmm. i got you i'm there five minutes um i um it's it's a matter of i I think something to look into is levels of levels of passion in the sense that what is the employee focused on for their career Mm. is this in their career goal if it is they're going to go that extra mile Mm -hmm. but if it's not the boss needs to be realistic yeah. But what what if your passion changes then? You know, let's say you have a change of heart and you're like, you know what, maybe doing biology wasn't the best thing for me and maybe I have to switch it around and do a different job. How does that affect it, you think? I mean, I think that then you, you go through those steps. I mean, you're still obligated to work at your job until you're there. And yes, you would probably see productivity decline if that's no longer, if that's no longer, not specifically you, but if that's no longer your passion because then I don't think that's the boss's responsibility then because I think that's just you it's, trying yeah. to find your path. That's on the employee. Mm-hmm. That's on the employee. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I think, you know, I've had a lot of great bosses in my time, so I cannot complain. Uh, but granted, I don't know about everybody else, but hopefully it's been also a good experience. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. And hopefully everybody out there, if you have a bad boss, please, we, we just need you to go work on yourself, figure out what you want to do. Be careful because those tech layoffs are coming, folks. They've already been coming and hopefully will not come anymore for you. So we'll see how that goes. Nevertheless, we are going to do a quick top of the hour and we are going to hit on in to hour number two. I always like saying hour number two uh, for the morning wake up call that we have here. So we will see you all then. Proudly broadcasting from the Richard Philip Cavallaro Studio. W-W-R-H-U. Hempstead. You discovered. You discovered. A cornerstone of the Lawrence Herbert School of Communication. W-W-R-H-U. Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. Morning Wake Up Call. Lively talk. Long Island life. National news. International issues. Through the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. Welcome to hour number two of the morning wake-up call here on 88.7 FM WRHU. We got Long Island Life, national news, and international issues. Again, you got myself, we got Luke, we got Dallas, we got Michael. We're all here. We're ready to go. We got some more stories coming up for your second hour. Again, George Santos updates coming up through there. Uh, The infiltration of the Gobi up there in the Champlain River Valley. Uh, And we also have some other stories for the Hewlett High School over there uh, for anything for their high school championship spots. But other than that, and more will be coming up over here in your second hour. So stay tuned.
So a good uh, first hour that we had through here. If you missed it, uh, plenty of stories that were going on through that end with some CBP1 uh, app over there for immigration stories. We also had uh, some big game commercial spot uh, timing as well for Michael's package there. So granted, lots to have through that first hour, but plenty more in this second one. So hopefully you're not going away for too long. Uh, granted, uh, Dallas, I know we, you were just talking about this. Lily, off the air, if you had that uh, breaking news there with the, uh, the monkey uh, snatching going on. But... Yeah, so kind of jumping ahead of what we usually do, two monkeys were taken from the Dallas Zoo in its latest suspicious event. Um, so in this story, two monkeys were taken from the Dallas Zoo on Monday, police said. The latest in a string of odd incidents at the attraction being investigated, including fences being t- cut, and in the past two weeks, a suspicious death of an endangered vulture. So a lot going on in this story. I know the Dallas Zoo has really been uh, like on my Twitter feed a lot, talking about the snow leopard that escaped and they had to find um so if you're in the dallas area it's kind of wild out there i guess but hopefully they find the monkeys the zoo said monday that the two emperor tamarind monkeys that have gone missing would most likely stay near their habitat but that a search of the zoo's grounds failed to find them so right now they're actively looking for the monkeys (laughs) That that was like a story we had in the intercession over there. It was actually my first semester we did uh, the morning show, and it was about a pair of uh, alpacas, Boogie and Woogie, that escaped from the one of the California zoos. Mm. We're just like, what the heck? Also, why are they named Boogie and Woogie? So that was a whole thing. <laughs> well, but apparently, this is not the first time animals have escaped from the enclosures before, as we heard about the snow leopard. But most notably, a 340-pound gorilla named Jabari jumped over a wall in 2004 and went on a 40-minute rampage that injured three people before the sh- police shot and killed the animal. So I guess Dasu has had a lot of issues with just keeping their animals where they're supposed to be, um, but it's still ongoing. <laughs> hmm. That is that is a mystery. We'll, we'll find out. Any any other headlines to go for any local stuff, Dallas? For more local news, um, Nassau Community College in Las Vegas Sands have proposed a deal that would make the college a primary employee training center for the planned casino. According to the Surgeon General, children 13 and under should not have access to social media for parents out there who might be listening. And a 35-foot male humpback whale washed ashore in Lido Beach and has unfortunately died. And in political news that we will be talking about a little bit later, in a Newsday poll, 78% of 3rd District residents say George Santos should resign. And those are your headlines. I, I know we talked about this a little bit uh, before we are on air, but in terms of the whole uh, Las Vegas Sands acquisition for the Nassau Coliseum, what what do we think on thoughts for that? Just as, as a mini-story, if you want to do that. But I think? think it would be fun to have a major attraction back in the Nassau Coliseum or using that space for like things the community can use more often. I do think the location is a little iffy, just situated between us here at Hofstra and Nassau Community College and LIU not being super far away for a casino to be because there's a lot of people who are under the age of 21. So I just don't really know how that's going to work out. And it does seem like it'll be an increase in activity and traffic, which might be good for you know, local businesses and stuff like that. But I do think a lot needs to be discussed with the local uh, community here at Nassau County to make sure that everything is, like, smooth and on the same page and things like that. I, I don't like it, personally. I, I, I don't view it as something for the community. I, I, I view it as just another attempt to push gambling on the public. For example, I, I tell my grandmother all the time when I watch 
Say I'm watching an Oriole game. I'm a big Orioles fan. There's a bunch of betting commercials all the way through. Like, yeah. like, and, and, and like they'll put in the small text at the bottom. Oh, if you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. bet the yeah. 60. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, if you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. How about if I have a problem uh, or if I don't have a problem, I'll look for the betting site myself. And but but anyways, but coming back to this, I think we could I think we could use the Coliseum. Well, first off, we use the Coliseum for for a lot of a lot of things already. But but if we wanted to make it like with one sole purpose, um, I don't think a casino is the way to go. I, I think there I think there are much better options. I think there are more family friendly options. Mm-hmm. I mean, building a massive casino. I mean, th- that would be a massive casino. Mm-hmm. Building a massive casino like that. Uh, is it's not helpful. My my main issue with it is that the instance that Charles Wayne, of course, former uh, owner of the Islanders before he passed away, and his you know vision for the Lighthouse Project was pretty much the same deal. You make the Coliseum, you renovate it all, you make a grand entertainment space, a new hotel spot, but residents didn't approve of it. They didn't approve of it that time. They're probably not going to approve of it now. I don't know. I mean, granted, good community partnership with NCC to try and get that going, but I don't think it's going to come to any fruition. But then at the same rate, it, the Coliseum space, the hub itself, is really just a parking lot when mm-hmm. you think about it it's just a bowl or as billy joel called when he came back for his first performance a uh, uh the one of the popcorn bags like you know when they, <laughs> yeah. when they renovated it uh but granted what what do you do with that space then so let's say there's no casino let's say the sands deal doesn't go through what what do you do you, you can't really do much like i talked to some people and they're like oh make it into a mall roosevelt field mall is like it's gonna be it's not gonna be super competitive with roosevelt field mall mm-hmm. it would just in like that would be a mess a movie theater, there are a bunch of movie theaters around here already. I do think it would be great as an entertainment space. Like, they talked about putting, like, a music venue in there. Okay. But, like, but the, the, the Coliseum already could function as an as a music venue. Mm. So, it's just, it's a really interesting location. It's also just a really awkward space because there's so many other things around it already. Mm. But it is just a really large parking lot right now. Yeah. I think... Okay, this, this might be this. I'm I'm thinking of this on the fly here. Okay, go but, ahead. But but I think this could be cool. I'm a big movie buff, so I'm a little biased. What if you made, you use the Coliseum and you made like a massive movie theater? Like like when I say massive, like massive, and like you have like this gigantic screen. Like in back in Baltimore, there's this thing called the Senator, mm. and it, it'd be kind of like the Senator. It's it's, I mean, mm. I don't know. I mean, I know. I mean. A lot of people are switching to streaming platforms and stuff say. like that. Um, personally, me, um, I love my streaming platforms, but I I will always go to the movies, even though it it sadly costs twenty dollars now for a movie experience. I mean, my gosh, mm. but um, but no, I mean that's that's one thing. I think I think there's a lot of creative things you could do. I mean, you could do you could do like an amusement park. I was gonna <laughs> say I was gonna say like a Great okay. Wolf Lodge. I mean. I don't know. I've never been to Great Wolf Lodge, uh, so I don't know. I don't know how how good they are. There's but. just not a lot of space. Yeah. I, there's the nature preserve right next door. The Marriott, which you know, granted, it, it's there and can be used, but I don't know unless it's a special event like commencement, for example, or we're gonna have our Obama conference coming up. Like those two are gonna be big events, but. That space doesn't really get used otherwise. I'm thinking this is going to be a little far out. Why not like a race car track? It's literally a parking lot. <gasps> That's not bad so at all. Fun. I like that. It's a parking lot itself. You already have the infrastructure to use it. You can make a race car track. If they had like go-karts there too, I love <laughs> go-karts. Mm. I'm a big fan of go-karts. So if they turn that into like a 
mini golf, go karts. And, and look at that. Family friendly, right? People get to use it. Uh, Executive Franklin, if you're listening, race car, go kart uh, aspect mm-hmm. maybe for the mm-hmm. hub. Put Something. like a batting cage in there. It'd be really fun. People would like want to hang out there. It could be cool, or or you could even you could even really focus on booking more venues. You, could, I mean, the spaces. I was at the Coliseum last night. Uh, the the space the space is there's a lot of space. There's a, they use a I know a lot more for like convention wise too. They have a lot of space yeah, on the basement yeah. level. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there there's a lot there's a lot that that can be used for that space, but. There's a lot of venues that could take place there. I mean, there are already a good bit of venues that take place there now. I, again, I was there last night for one of them. So. so, I do just think, like, the parking lot is so large. Yes. It's such a huge parking lot that it just makes the building look very small. The The one thing, though, is the parking lot's very large. But there's when I say that there are so many seats, there are so many seats in that Coliseum. Mm-hmm. So the parking lot, the parking, the parking, the, the parking spots... Are proportional to the seats. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yes. Mm. But I don't know. Hopefully they decide to do something with it because I'd rather it become like a thing that the community can use rather than just a. I just. Yeah. I was. I was thinking last night. I was like, this place could be so hype. Like, like it could be so hype mm. if there's like a bunch of people like sold out. Like, you're, if there's a sold out crowd, it's. But you have UBS. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, we have UBS. But, I mean, I don't know. If there's a sold-out crowd at the Coliseum for something. Like, if there was a – if Bruno Mars came to the NASA Coliseum, I wouldn't believe, go. believe oh. I would be there. I would be row. there. Yep. Front row tickets. Backstage pass. Backstage pass. Like, I will be there because it's not that far away from Hofstra. Nope, it's it not, also, yeah. like, if you have concerts there, I feel like a lot of college students would just, like – go anyways just to have fun it would be a really great like it would be a great crowd to rely upon to like cater your venues or like the events that you host around i just think like a casino doesn't serve a college crowd if a majority of us aren't of the legal age to gamble the legal age of gambling is 21 in new york i believe i can double check that i think it's 21 also, Bruno Mars came to the Coliseum in 2017, just saying. So, before um, my time. That must have so been why should, you came to Hofstra. He should come back. Open. He should come back. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, it's just a tough situation to be in because college students, a lot of us are under the age of 21, so there's not a lot we can legally do at a casino. So, who's this going to be for? Legal gambling age in New York State is actually 18. It's 18? But, but. Gam- some gambling locations limit is 21. So it I does depend on where you go. But, well, New York State Center, you can be at 18. So oh, yeah, I know. I think in Massachusetts, it's 21. I'm pretty sure in Massachusetts, it's 21. Well, I'm, I'm going to stick to the go-kart mini golf. Like, I, I think amusement park, though, I think that's that would be a good plus, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I um, also want one more thing about, about the casino. I don't think it's a good idea is utilize the people who live in your area. Mm. You, how, many, how many students go to the school? Maybe... But remember, we're visitors of the town itself because currently we're only here for four true, years. Usually, true. more in Hempstead and Yale Garden City. But however, though, we're it now. Right now, in 2023, me, I'm I'm a freshman in Hofstra. In four years, five years, there'll be a different freshman in Hofstra that still casino isn't going to be their main thing. Hmm. So you're not you're you're not focusing on what each individual student wants. But if you're thinking about what students like in general, and I'm not saying base it off of Hofstra. Obviously, I'm not saying that, but a lo- a very, very large percentage 
of the local population, as in from walking distance, they they, they do go to hospital. So so I feel like it's something to keep something to keep track of. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree on that okay. only because granted it's it's the town itself, right? We're we're only here for a measurable what three four years. Maybe if you're a BSMD, you're here for eight. But other than that, mm-hmm. you're really well, just visiting the town if yeah. anything. Well, yeah, but the thing is, there's always gonna be students though. So it's like. Me, yeah. I'm a visitor, but there's gonna be there's gonna be another me after mm. that. There's gonna be another. I'm not saying yeah. you shouldn't cater to that population, but I think the primary source of the population and the input should be from the town residents itself, and not the students of. A oh, I'm not saying I'm not itself. saying That's the all. students. I'm not saying the students should get a vote. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm saying from a business perspective, if, if I was making a decision on that, I I would heavily yeah, you take them into account. Yes, 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 yep. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask Hofstra students. Oh, hey, what do you guys think we should do? With no, but. I do think like the community doesn't hasn't seemed to be so like hype about it. At least mm. from what I've read, maybe thoughts and feelings have changed. But I do think the benefit of maybe this getting off the ground is the fact that it would be privately funded. Like the a call, uh, the casino project would be privately funded, so it wouldn't be like taxpayer money. But again, it's just like. And New mm. York State revenues for casinos. Ten, it's a twenty percent split, and like ten percent goes to the municipality that it's in, and then also the township too. So there, there is some economical benefit for the town sure. itself that is a plus. But you're not really going to see a lot of those benefits for a for number a of while. years. For so a while, you you run that risk. That's what President Rabinowitz actually said last time they tried to do one over here. So there was always that too. Granted, that was, that was a story in itself. I think uh, so. That was <laughs> that was good to get off the ground. Uh, but nevertheless, I know uh, we had a story for George Santos wise. On this end, where was that? Oh, that was Kevin's as well. So I guess, Michael, if you want to take on through that. People in George Santos's district are growing more concerned now due to the fact that the congressman doesn't answer his phone. North Hempstead t- Town Councilman Marion Dalamonte talked about the struggle and worry that comes with her lack of contact with George Santos. She said that in the past, she was always in contact and was always updated regarding how and when things got done. Now that Santos is in office, she no longer has the privilege of a cooperative working relationship. This is yet another example of Santos's lack of leadership and his inability to perform his role as a public servant. Those in the district have seemingly been given no reason to trust or work with Santos. I think for me, focusing on the fact that his job is a public servant, let's ignore how he got there for two seconds. Let's mm. forget how he got there. We all know his history of lying. But the fact that he is in this role... And is, I don't want to say this, like, I'm going to sound super harsh, ignoring the people he's supposed to be serving and that he's supposed to be advocating for is just really, it's really upsetting to see. And it just shows that George Santos is failing to do right by the people of Long Island, the people in this area in general. And his job is really to advocate the, for these people. And why would he take up this job if he's going to kind of ignore their phone calls or not update them on what he's doing or how he's performing? Or listening to what they might need, the least you can do is pick up the phone. I, I would have thought after lying, I would I, I would have I would have thought he'd do everything in his power to try to get on somebody's good side. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, you know, say say I casually lied myself into a position <laughs> like that. I'm, you need anything? I got you twenty four hours seven because because I'm mm-hmm. trying to make up for. I mean, the, the the thing with George Santos is is just, when I was it reminds me of when I was twelve. I um I broke my mom's window. Uh I threw a tennis ball at it and I said it slipped. And uh 
I, I got I got in the same amount of trouble as George Santos. I didn't really get in trouble for it. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, there's there's no accountability on the end, right? I yeah. Mean, granted, I know there was an old story about how obviously the Representative Santos's office wasn't set up yet, obviously, and so all the the calls were just rerouted to Re- Representative Garbarino in I believe the fourth district or the second district of the island. But granted, I don't know what responsibility he's really going to take in office. You already have the distrust of not only your like, a good amount of your constituents, uh, but the nation itself, mm-hmm. uh, probably internationally as well. People probably think it was a laughing stock. Uh, but nevertheless, there was a article that he said, "I'll, I'll resign if 142 people say I should." Uh, but granted, I believe he meant the 142,000 that he said, I believe, was the people that voted for him. Mm-hmm. But like you mentioned, the poll already saying that that many people in his district say he should resign should be a cause for you know doing that. And but. on top of that, in, in a separate part of the poll, 86% of his constituents that were polled view him unfavorably. And two out of three people who voted for him said they wouldn't have if they knew what they knew now, yeah. which is really important to note because... He lied about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And on the topic of him lying, we talked about this on the morning show yesterday, actually. Um, Long Island is proposing a new law called, like, the George Law. No. And it's supposed to, like, <laughs> say, like, politicians are going to be facing a background check in terms well, of... Well, th- we haven't th- had this before already? So here's, here's like, the deal. I kid <laughs> you not, I did a job application the other day. You know how many reference checks I had exactly, to get? Exactly. I had to get so many of these. And people in Congress are just like, well, if it's on the piece of paper and I said it, then it's got to be true. So for the law, it would, um, from what I'm remembering, it would do a background check on their education, um, financial status, where they, like their residency and address... But, and it would make it, like, illegal for them to do so. Also, another thing that I remember is, like, if you have any, like, warrants from foreign countries, that would be also included that you're not allowed to have. Um, that's what I remember from what we our discussion yesterday. It's only, right now, it's proposed just for Long Island. But in my head, I'm like, why is this not a nationwide thing? Like, mm. why are we leaving the door open for ish situations like this to happen? Like, politicians should just blatantly lied to people. I, I just don't get why nobody had looked it up in the first place. Uh, granted, well, here's the thing. I know that local newspapers are dying, but we need local newspapers back. I said, because guess what? If we had local newspapers, there was a report on something for, let's say, Santos being that he was lying on his resume because it was an you know, exclusive undercover thing or whatever the case may be, then that's different. We don't have that because there aren't as many local newspapers, mm-hmm. and then there's no accountability because everything else is a national, international story. But, hey, we're doing the work we're doing on the morning show doing local stories. Uh, so hopefully that helps. But. I, I just think my biggest thing is I can't fathom lying about things people can call me out on immediately, lying about graduating from NYU. NYU themselves could have gotten on Twitter and said, George no, Santos did not go here. He yeah. never attended this institution. Lying about what? Well, well, maybe FERPA. They really, maybe they couldn't do that. But oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. My thing is just like we. This hasn't been like I like I. The biggest thing to me was I was like, we don't have something like, already something to like hold him accountable. Like I can't. I can't. Like there, there are things in place. Like you cannot lie on your resume to get into college. Like we we saw there was the there was a woman from Full House I think oh yeah right? yeah, yeah like like that's that like wasn't a, lying that was more like embellishing or that was her like I was I'm getting money from other oh um, is that what it was yeah it was like I don't know how to explain it she was working with a coach on one of the teams of okay. the college and they were like 
Oh. She's paying them money. Oh. Yeah. So okay. that's like I a different yeah, situation. So Lori, Lori, Lori Lachlan. Lo- that's, that's like Lori a different Grenier. situation. But I do it, agree. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why we've never written something like this in stone. Where again, like lying about your education in terms of a regular profession. Like if you're like working, going to work at a grocery store and you say, oh, I graduated from XYZ college when you didn't. That feels different. Mm. But if you're in a public office and your job is to represent people and they voted you on your background in XYZ areas and you lied about that background, you shouldn't be allowed to serve in office. I, I also, one thing that really that really rubs me the wrong way with, with Santos is that someone in this position, that their their objective should be to serve the public. Mm. He's not serving the public. He's on, he's on a power trip. Mm-hmm. If anything, if anything... He's he simply won, wanted the title. Now he got the title and he got a whole lot of other stuff. He got on two committees. Yeah, I just see what committees those are. It was he the int- he's on the Intel committee. I remember that's one of the them. Intel committee, which is oh, comedic at yeah. best. He also got all over Twitter for lying. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he. I agree with the the Glen Cove mayor said he's ma- he's too busy making a fool out of himself. He is. He's made an absolute fool out of himself. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't even. Know. I just think like. The people of Long Island need a better representative if that ends up in because he is under investigation for a lot of things. So if he doesn't end up serving his full term and we need to go to a special election, which I think Kath. Yeah, he actually isn't on the Intel Committee. He isn't on uh, the Intel Committee. No, he is on Committee on Small Business and Committee on Space, Science and Technology. I thought he, Never mind. I apologize. Um, I thought he was on the Intel Speaker Committee. Speaker McCarthy had taken out, I believe it was um, Representative Schiff and Representative Swalwell were out of the Intel Committee. But there okay. was no indication that uh, Representative Santos was. No, my bad. Um, Back to my point. I just think if it ends up him having to resign or him being forced out of this position one way or another and it goes to like we have to have a special election or somebody else has to be appointed, it needs to happen one way or another because it doesn't seem like he's doing the work that is expected of him and he's lied so much. But again, I feel like the Republicans will not want that to happen because they would lose another seat in the House of Representatives. So it's just a weird power dynamic that we're in right now. I, I, yeah, I, I feel it. Yeah, I agree with the last point you said uh, about that. I mean, I, I think about the Republicans. I mean, but we don't root. F- we shouldn't be rooting for political parties like like sports teams. Yeah. Uh, it seems like that whenever well, we do. Do you ever see when it's <laughs> like the State of the Unions and then you yeah. always see the one party that's like, yeah, oh, my gosh. And the other party's like, Argh. Why? Why aren't? Why can't we just focus on how can we best serve the people? Why does it have to? Why does it have to be? Oh no, my party has to. No, party like party discipline is a real issue. Yeah, I agree. But I just I talked to Danny DiCrescenzo about this, and he's like, oh, the GOP is gonna have a hard time like reconciling with the fact that they're gonna lose George Santos's seat um, as a Republican in the House of Representatives. But at the same time, like you don't want him. I don't think they would want him on it. Their team. Like I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I, I mean, it's like the saying. Well, this might not apply. I was gonna say quality over quantity. I mean, I guess qu- quantity does matter in this case. But mm-hmm. but 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 still, I mean, why? why it's not a good look. Want, it's no. not. It's a terrible look for the GOP. Why do you want somebody like that representing your party? I mean. But what do you think about that? The local party, obviously for Nassau County, where Republicans were like, "Yeah, we we don't want say those. We don't want him either." So if everybody doesn't seem to want him in this position, but I I just think as you already said, obviously it's the aspect that there's so little seats that Republicans control in the House right now, at least for that control wise, that it it would be a detriment for them to have Mm -hmm. Santos just. But 
Granted, I think there's still obviously there's federal you know investigations. The FEC is going at DOJ might be going at him at some point. So I think it's only going to mount more. Where at some point, I believe he will have to resign, or if not, end up. Uh, could you arrest the? Wait, could you arrest the federal official? You should be able. Uh, well, actually, I don't want to. Okay, I don't want to. I don't say know. You should, I, don't I shouldn't that. say that. I shouldn't say that. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you can, but. I, I just I just think that it's it's a ridiculous situation. It's, it's definitely one of the wildest um, stories mm-hmm. I've, I've seen in a minute, and uh, it's a, it's a terrible look for the GOP. I always say what they should do: you get the ranked choice voting in there, you get mm-hmm. all that going, and that you know maybe maybe there's the and well I I always say try to do like a you know UK parliamentary kind of system, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> but granted, we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean. I, I do not believe we're going to hear the end of this for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I said it was a couple of shows back, but George Santos was almost my representative in Congress the first time, believe it or oh, not. Wow. It was when it was uh, Tom Swazi and him in 20, this would be 20, let's see, 2020, right? I think, yeah. And then when they did the redistricting, then he went to the other one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But nevertheless, we are going to go and take another music break for now. After that, we're going to talk about some motion caption imagery uh, that's going to actually help with diseases from uh, the Avatar movies. But before that, we'll get to some neon trees uh, before we get going. Costra's morning wake-up call. Weekday mornings, 7 till 9 a.m. Lively talk about Long Island life, national news, and international issues from the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. Welcome back, everybody. Again, you're listening to the Morning Wake Up Call here on 88.7 FM, WRHU, Neon Trees, and Animal back there. Uh, actually, uh, when, of course, the same band as Everybody Talks, another uh, very good uh, pop song over there. Uh, nevertheless, though, we are going to get going on this entertainment section here, uh, story that we have today. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Grant, and I'm sure everyone's probably seen uh, the Avatar movies at some point, whether it's the new one or the old one. Uh, unfortunately, not the last Airbender movie. You don't want to see that one. Um, but granted, uh, while the world of Pandora itself is a fictional land uh, over through there, uh, the movie magic that's used to create the Navi through motion capturing and all that stuff uh, is actually being used to help uh, fight not the RDA, the enemies of the movie, uh, but rather various diseases uh, in the United Kingdom. Uh, so as the systems for the movies are utilized for those artificial intelligence, as we already mentioned, uh, granted, doctors are actually able to, uh, quote, measure the severity of the disorders twice as quickly uh, for any movement disorders that were through that instance, uh, mainly Frederick's ataxia and also other ones. Um, not only that, though, they're also actually looking into sources for Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and multiple sclerosis uh, through these as well. Uh, so granted, I, I don't know if we've really ever seen movie uses for other purposes, uh, but it's good to see that something like this is actually making a big difference. So thanks, James Cameron, for that one. What, what do we think on that? Yeah, I completely agree that I think it's really cool to see the way entertainment can um, impact other aspects of society, especially when it's for really good causes, like for the medical field, seeing that this technology can have a variety of different uses and seeing people adapt it to serve like the betterment of people in general is really cool. Yeah, I mean, most definitely it's... I, I, I love seeing stories like this. I, I, I think I think they're great. I just think, for me personally, I don't know much about artificial intelligence and motion, ca- motion capture technology, but I do think it's really cool that doctors were able to recognize the potential uses for this and decide to think, like, how can we further this in a multitude of different ways is really cool. 
So this is one of the doctors that were quoted from the BBC article. It's uh, Aldo Fasal, and he said, uh, quote, Our new approach detects subtle movements that humans can't pick up on. It has the capability to transform clinical trials as well as improve diagnosis and monitoring for patients, end quote. So granted, good thing they can utilize that, if anything. I'm curious, though, with the Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. I mean, Parkinson's, again, being more of a movementary disease that can work. But things like Alzheimer's, of course, you don't really have that in the movement aspect mm-hmm. category a lot of the time. So I don't know how that's going to necessarily play a factor though I'm, I'm curious for that Neither do i but if the research is being done i'd love to keep track of it and see where they go from here we'll see i, I don't know so <laughs> now i think that was the shortest story we might have ever done uh, but we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna keep going through there uh michael i know the top of the spot oh sorry it's sorry it's dallas my apologies uh but you have the basketball story that we have that we i didn't get to that last half hour but go ahead yeah at george w hewlett high school here on long island the boys varsity basketball team is making headlines in a very meaningful well way the bulldogs took to the court and raised over thirteen thousand dollars for children whose loved ones are battling cancer that money was raised to benefit Long Island teens who are part of the Sibs Place, a nonprofit that gives support services for ch- siblings coping with having a family member diagnosed with a serious illness. This is not the first time the team has given back. For the past 18 years, they've been involved in hope, Hoops for Hope, and they plan to continue to play the sport, spread awareness, and raise money for good causes. And from my high school, we did this thing called like Hoops for Heart, which was raising money to do like research for heart disease which I think I love when like local teams take up these causes and make really meaningful impacts on their communities. So I just thought it was a really cool story to bring today. Yeah, no, I'm surprised. 13000 was a lot, especially for mm-hmm. high school. Like, that's crazy how much amount of money they get through there, which is great to see that they can donate for that and give to those spaces. I know we actually had our step team in high school. They had a whole fundraiser where they actually brought other step teams. They did, like, a community service project and all mm-hmm. that. They had a fundraiser through there. Uh, my high school, they do K-Factor, actually, every year. That's coming up, I believe, in May this year. It's actually kind of late. Uh, but they have a whole, like, cancer research, uh, you know, donation stuff and as well for that, which is great. Uh, for this particular uh, nonprofit spot, is that something that they the students started, or was that something, again, it says that they're kind of already involved in for Sibs Place, but how exactly was that? So from my understanding, Sibs Place is like a pre-existing entity that just exists on their own that just focuses on helping families and specifically siblings who have family members like brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers who are dealing with um, serious illnesses. They talked a lot about people dealing with cancer and how that impacts younger people, especially like children. Um, So they help provide emotional support services for stuff like that. And in the article, um, they talked about like the connection between Sibs Place through like personal connections and how some people know someone who's dealing with um, a serious illness in that way and had Sibs Place like support them through that. So it's just really cool to see the personal connections that were built through this partnership and what could come from that. Most definitely. I mean, I I love uh, back-to-back feel-good stories. just like the avatar one, I love this. I love this kind of story. Um, I think it. I think it really says something to, to the power that really anybody has. Mm-hmm. I mean, the power of communities anyone, coming together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, any anyone, any community can, can really make a, a positive change. Did did the I don't know if they had like during a game did like the opposing team like kind of show any support or whatnot or um, how, how exactly did that work? So basically, they ha- it was, they were raising money during a game mm-hmm. from the article that I read from News 12, they didn't really talk about like the opposing teams or the situation around the game, but it was just more like a fundraiser in general, which I thought was really cool. Any uh, Anything else to add for the story? Was there any like any players that had any quotes or things like that? Or there something? was one quote that I found. 
um, from the Sibs Place executive that said that it's te- this is teaching them a lot about community service. They're playing a game and doing something they love, and at the same time, they're also helping raise money for a local program, which I think was just really um, impactful. And so another thing about the game is teens that are part of the nonprofit watched the game from like the seats and were present there, and it said they re- it really meant a lot to them. Um, there was one person whose name is Nathaniel Blades. His twin brother Elijah was diagnosed with leukemia in 2008, and while Elijah battled cancer, um, he talked a lot about how he was struggling emotionally, and then he joined Sibs Place and calls it a really important extended family. So it's just really important to see that Sibs Place really gives people a place to turn to and people to talk to when you're dealing with something as scary as someone you love being diagnosed with a disease and watching them go through that. Because I do think sometimes we don't, we don't think about the loved ones as well. Focus should always be on those battling their diseases. But it takes a lot. It takes a large toll watching someone you love suffer that way, especially if you're really young. Yeah, I know it's gonna be. Certain. I I was like when the the foundations and stuff like that is something we don't really think of very often. It's like oh, you know, we never really imagine that sometimes for a lot of us. So it's good to see that they're getting the support and the help they need because certainly for a transition like that for anything, you know, especially for a family member, that's always difficult for them uh, to show that. Uh, but great that they can support through there if anything else. Uh, but I know at least there are some AP uh, breaking news headlines or at least you know some general headlines. If anybody wants to get various takes and stuff on them. Uh, so actually, there's a drive-by shooting over there in Florida, in Central Florida. Ten people were wounded uh, during that time over there. Uh, there's a child welfare algorithm that apparently the Justice Department uh, is looking into for some reason. Um, just to quote from the AP article here, uh, the Justice Department has been scrutinizing a controversial artificial intelligence tool used by a Pittsburgh-area child protective services agency following concerns that it could result in discrimination against families with disabilities. Uh, several civil rights complaints were filed in the fall about the Allegheny Family Screening Tool, which is used to help social workers decide which families to investigate. Two sources say the attorneys, that the attorneys in the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division cited the AP investigation when urging them to submit formal complaints detailing their concerns about how the algorithm could be hard and biased against people with disabilities. Um, uh, skip, skip, skip. I feel like with that story, I also am very suspicious because... Y- if it's looking at a family on a surface level, that's not the best way to judge whether or not they should be investigated because a lot of things can be happening behind closed doors that might not be reported. So I think investigations should go on not just on the basis of an algorithm, but on the basis of like individuals meeting the family and having discussions with the family and interacting with the actual children in the situation, mm. which again, I just don't know. The screening process sounds weird. Like, I'm not against artificial intelligence. I just think that it can't do a lot of things that humans do. I'm just going to add for for this. It says, uh, again, from the AP article here, the Allegheny Family Screening Tool was specifically designed to predict the risk that a child will be placed in foster care in the two years after the family is investigated. It has used a trove of detailed personal data collected from child welfare history, as well as birth, Medicaid, substance abuse, mental health, jail and probation records, among other government data sets. When the algorithm calculates a risk score of 1 to 20, the higher the number, the greater the risk. The risk score alone doesn't determine what happens in the case. What about what about potential error? Like, mm-hmm. like, like, we need people on this, not to mention artificial intelligence to my knowledge doesn't it doesn't have like 
feelings to mm-hmm. the to the capability that humans do. It doesn't relate to humans. It can produce a product. Yep. It's not. I also think like those are some of those measures are things that could be considered risk but it also stigmatizes like if you have a history of mental health issues that doesn't inherently mean that you'll be a bad parent and you shouldn't be judged so off the bat just on yeah like the surface level the fact that you suffer with mental health issues i do understand that mental health issues do impact the way people might be able to function on a day-to-day which shouldn't be taken lightly but it's not something that you can be judged on from an algorithm and get a number and be like oh you're more likely to this child is more likely to be raised in a situation that would need to be investigated because they have a parent with mental health issues i just want to add this is not the first time the allegheny method has been criticized it had a, a ap story in april for racial bias uh, so granted there's always other instances as well in there too uh granted because they said that uh, well one one thing at least it says in here is that it's a nuanced term because they investigated for neglect which again could be literally anything mm-hmm. uh so granted there's no real specific specification with it as well but there was a book actually it was my time we had our common reading at Hofstra and it was called the weapons of math destruction and basically it just talks about all these algorithms AI methods and stuff and how it was dealing with you know situations that are really on a social societal level but are really being computed by humans and stuff with human error of course being involved uh, in that sense too so I think there's a lot of differentiation with that I know as you mentioned Michael the unhumanness of AI I know the whole thing with chat GB, GPT oh that's, my all, gosh, that's yes. the big buzzword <laughs> yes. now uh, I know on syllabi now they're like chat GPT do not use it uh, or you know all that stuff so I don't know mm, I do think when it comes to like social sociological things like or like things that are inherently like human I guess mm. it's harder for me to consider that AI could be better than humans when it comes to like investigating the welfare of a child or investigating a family situation I just don't think an AI can get the right scope of that especially because on the surface again on the surface Somebody can present themselves as the perfect family on paper, good economic status, what looks like a good relationship, seem to be present in the child's life. But again, things behind closed doors, things could be going on that an AI could miss. And I feel like humans doing humans doing the investigation can, in theory, put more effort to looking at the underlying causes and factors that an AI might skim over. Yeah, I mean, things... Things are different on paper in pretty much any scenario. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a movie for example. Mm. Say for example, they, like there's been a bunch of stacked casts in movies that, uh, that Babylon, flop. for example, yeah, box office bust, not even flop. Yeah. Now I, I don't think Oppenheimer will flop though. It's okay, all time great, but it's besides the point. Um, on paper is different, and I think that when you want to utilize artificial intelligence for something like this. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's useful. I don't think much is happening. I th- I think the best case scenario, the best case scenario, which isn't a good one in my opinion, is that the artificial intelligence will give some score, and then it's going to influence the decision of the human. If they had a human make the decision, they're gonna be like, they're gonna think, oh, this is fine, but oh, but the artificial intelligence thinks this, and it's going to lead to a bunch of unconscious biases, and it's going to lead to a bunch of ab- absolute awful issues happening. It's mm-hmm. it's it's. Mm-hmm. It's a disaster. It is a disaster waiting to happen. You cannot tell me there's not going to be at least one error, and in this case, one error is way too many. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the fact that it has room for it's been invest or it's been criticized for like racial bias in general. Like that's something that like yeah. from the jump, why is why is AI having experiencing racial bias when I feel like it had to be programmed that exactly. way? Yep. Like AI has to be programmed to understand certain aspects. I'm not saying somebody programmed it to have racial bias, but that's something that I'm just like where did this come from? I remember. Do you remember the instance where they had the uh, face thermometer, like face scanner yeah. thing mm-hmm. at yeah. Hofstra? And that was a whole thing, too, because one, it like got your name and everything. But apparently for a lot of students of color, like if they were up at the screen, it would give you like a different name for somebody. It was a whole That's thing. That's crazy. It was. Yeah, that was a whole story a little while back. So granted, I think AI itself, while it can be beneficial, I think there are a lot of, uh, you know, underlying instances of problems that can be done, which is most likely from human input, if anything else, Mm -hmm. uh, through those algorithms and codes, because someone's still writing the code, right? I mean, they still have that instance of the algorithm to use there. So Mm -hmm. not really sure. But I know for the last bite, I know Michael did want to get to stuff on the game we got coming up in February. Although one thing on the AP, it said, now Dallas, you're going to help me with it. Is it Kelsey, Kelsey, Travis, the... Kelsey. Kelsey, got it. So apparently the Kelsey brothers, of course, are going against each other, right? For the so, first time in NFL history, we have brothers playing against each other, I think. Well, no? Well, okay, we've had coaches. Oh, the yes, Harbaugh the Harbaugh's. Yeah. Oh, okay. But... Also good to note, of course, uh, it's the first time two black quarterbacks it are going to be going up against I each other in the game. I was talking about this with my boyfriend and our friends in the car yesterday, and we were like... Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes? We yeah. were like, at first we read that headline, and they're like, no way, that can't be true. And I then we were, that too. We were I going was... back through, and we were like, okay, like who's been in there? Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, yep. um, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Then we kept going back and back, and we are like, oh, oh, yeah. This 100% truly is the first time in um, NFL history that we yeah. have two black quarterbacks. And I also think, like, black quarterbacks in general, like, aren't, are pretty rare. They the said sport. 11 started the season last mm-hmm. this year. Which is, like, a pretty high number when you think about it. But in history, it's really rare. And Very. the situations that, I think sometimes the way media talks about black quarterbacks, too, is different from white counterparts inherently. Um so it's 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 cool to see that this is the major step that we're taking, and it's great to see, and hopefully we'll see it more often. I'm not I'm not super versed in football, so for me sports <laughs> is like yeah, yeah a little. Off, go go ahead. Please. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're good. What she just said though, at towards the end, that they that media talks about black quarterbacks differently. That that is so true, and I've seen it so many times. Like in terms of like like people joke about this part, but it's true. They say about. The white quarterback, they just they just call him a great locker room guy and stuff like that, and then they question um, the the black quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Lamar Jackson. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm being careful with what I say because I'm not update cleared, so I'm not allowed to like really go into sports. I can talk about sports business. So I think with Lamar Jackson's case, I think the media does talk about a lot about like. Um, Talk about him in a way where he's like, oh, he can only run the ball. Exactly, like He, he doesn't exactly. have throwing strength. He threw and, 36 touchdowns in 2019. Yeah, and I think they tamper on like, oh, he's only great in t- because of his ability to uh, like navigate in the pocket, and he's really good at running MVP the ball. though, right? I but mean, like at the same time, he won MVP. Like you did. can't, you can't, you can't ignore that fact. And on top of that, another thing is I think people historically have had this conversation. I think with my dad before, where we talked about like, oh. 
when it comes to black quarterbacks who are athletic when in terms of running the ball, historically they've been trying to make them to move to be a running back rather than a quarterback. It and said that in the AP article, And they too. discourage them from pursuing a quarterback position, which is another thing you saw with, like, Robert Griffin III. Everybody talked about how good he was in terms of, like, running the ball, and they didn't really acknowledge his ability as a passer. Yeah, so I, I mean, just think, like, stop stop thinking that black quarterbacks can't can see, like succeed in the aspects of being a quarterback and just respect that they're a really good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, for comparison in this case, I mean, Josh Allen, a white quarterback, um, very great at running the football. And statistically, in the 2021 season, he was the 24th ranked most accurate passer. I didn't hear a single conversation. Josh Allen should play running back. No, it was Josh Allen's the second best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. That's all I heard. Yeah. But sometimes when it comes to stuff like this, I do feel like there's unnecessary discrimination or unnecessarily like focus on aspects of black players playing not sport uh positions that aren't usually for black players well i'd say it's like an occupations too because i remember i was reading uh the autobiography of malcolm x this is one story where he goes to his school counselor and he's like hey you know i'd like to be a lawyer and all that obviously eventually his profession and then the school counselor's like well, but Malcolm, you're good with your hands. Why don't you be a carpenter or something? Which is just like, I know, it's like, oh my gosh. Kid you not, it's in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what the heck? Stop stop discouraging people from pursuing what they want to pursue yeah. on the basis of preconceived notions. Yeah, unfortunately, that's it, it's still relevant mm-hmm. today, sadly. I mean, Like, well. sure, Lamar Jackson can run the football really well. It's a bonus. It's a, it's bonus, a bonus to his skill set. He's exactly. still a quarterback. He mm-hmm. still deserves to be respected as a quarterback. Stop having unnecessary criticisms that you're not going to give other people. Well, you know, the Colts would be doing a lot better if they got Lamar Jackson. But, <laughs> hey, they passed up. So what can you do? Mm-hmm. I know we got a couple minutes left. So what I know, Michael, you're saying, what was like the best thing you're looking forward to when oh, February yes. comes? Because that's that's the, I'm ready for Rihanna's halftime show. That's going to be I'm my favorite thing. For Rihanna's halftime but show. is Rihanna going to bring anyone? Travis do- Scott. I'm, or not Travis Scott. ASAP Rocky. That would that would have been a little bit. Uh, I, she might bring ASAP Rocky. Okay. Which would be cool because they're like together. They're together. Yeah. They, they, they have, have a baby. kid. Yeah. What? They have a baby. No way. Yeah. It was all over Twitter. Like mm. people were like. I gotta keep up with this stuff. The world I, was I gotta, rocked <laughs> when Rihanna no announced she was pregnant. I I need to keep up on like pop culture. I'm so I'm so far behind. Mm-hmm. I'm so far behind. So what what are you looking forward to, Michael? What we got Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just Patrick. Okay. I love I love Patrick. I'm looking forward to um <laughs> Pat from State Farm. There you go. Mm-hmm. In in State Farm what is it? State Farm Stadium. Uh oh. in, in Arizona. Used to be a yeah. University of Phoenix stadium back then. Yeah. I um I as a as a huge fan since middle school, uh I I've had the privilege of watching him win a Super Bowl and I've also had the sad reality of him losing one. Mm. Um, he's got one. He, I need more. I need he's more. He's got one. I need more so I can say he's better than, than Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I, I want to say it so badly. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time for that. But <laughs> all right. I'm going to be, okay, this is controversial because I'm from Massachusetts, and apparently if you're from Boston, you're supposed to not like Philadelphia. But I like Philadelphia. Shout out Jason White. Uh-oh. Um, no. I'm Uh-oh. rooting for the Eagles because I love the city of Philly. I have family growing up there. Mm. And... I just think the Eagles are pretty cool. I'm going to order the Casey Barbecue Bowl from Freshens every day in preparation for Kansas City no. being a Super Bowl. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's dedication. I respect that. Is, that is, yes. I respect that. But I'm looking forward to um, 
Super Bowl food. Super Bowl. Oh. Or the like the food that the people have when they have like watch parties for it. Okay. Um so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I don't I don't think I'm I don't think I'm great watch party material. I I'm I, there'll, there'll be a lot of like me like folding my arms saying please 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 please, please. <laughs> like like uh, like on the opening drive i mean i mean it's gonna be it's mm-hmm. gonna be brutal for anybody watching that game with me i um condolences in advance are we gonna have any parties do you think i know last year i was on 13 for vanderpool we just had a bunch of students up there watching tvs but we're still getting those apple tvs in the dorms so i don't know when if we're gonna well again should note it's not actually an apple tv it's samsung tv that has able apple tv capabilities just clearing that up uh but yeah i don't know any any parties or things i'm probably just gonna hang out with my friends i have friends who are bigger football fans than i am i'm into sports football is not my main so i'm just gonna be there to hang out with them really I um I'm I'm strategizing uh, on how I'm going to maximize my game day experience. Um, <laughs> I um so I got invited to um a Super Bowl party a few weeks ago, mm. and I said I said what I said was I said if Kansas City's not playing, I'll be there. Well, Kansas City's playing. Um, I said if Kansas City is playing, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. But uh, I have three options. Uh, either I go to Shayna Saint Stock. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. at yeah. her house. Um, is option one. Option two is um, I actually watched a lot of football in the library this year. <laughs> I watched a lot of football in the library this like year. On your phone, a computer? On or? my computer, because like I can sign into my TV provider and then I can watch it on like CBS Sports yeah. website or something mm-hmm. like that. Which I, I I discovered that this year it's like the best thing ever. Um, or option three is I watched it at the dorm. But either way, I need to be laser focused. Like there, there there's no halftime show for me. Like I'm not. I'm not watching. I don't care. Like every year, I don't really pay attention to who the halftime show is because I'm like, I want the game. It's Rihanna. Well, it's Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he's she's gonna release another album probably like a Hopefully. week after. Hopefully, he's gonna release the football into his wide receiver's hands. It's gonna be beautiful. And he's probably gonna lose to Jalen Hurts. He probably. So. You know what? I think he will. I yeah. um, what's it called? We were. Ta- I know we were talking about the casinos earlier. Um. Well, yeah. you know, it's the betting odds and all that. Yeah, Yao, Yao thought I was a gambling addict because I said I said the words. I said if I was a betting man, and he cuts me off. He says Uh-oh. only a betting man would say that. Only a gambling. <laughs> so so, but I said I was like, and I've never I've never placed it before. But I was like, if I was if I was a gambling man, I I, I would I would hammer Jaguars plus eight and a half uh, a couple weeks ago for the Chiefs game, and it would have covered. It would have covered. Mm, okay. Um, but um, in, in this in this case, um. The Eagles are favored. I I believe the Eagles will win. Uh, I I am a pessimistic sports fan, but um, this is this is going to be a stressful few weeks. I'm out of my celebration zone. I was in my celebration zone for the first two days. Um, I watched a lot of TikTok edits. Um, okay. I, I watched a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of Nick Wright on uh, First Things First. Okay. But um. It's game time. It's time to focus. Da- hmm. Dallas, what are we thinking? Um, I'm just going to have a good time. I'm supporting the Eagles um, to the judgment of people that I know. Um, but I don't have too much stake in the game. I'm a sports fan, not really football. Um, if this was basketball, if this was hockey, different mm, feelings. Bruins and Celtics then. Uh oh. We'll talk about this another time. But Uh-oh. Celtics, yes. Um, I'm a Celtics fan and I'm a Miami Heat fan um, because I love Jimmy Butler. But. Yeah, if this was those two sports, I would have a lot more stake in the game. But I'm just more excited to watch the halftime show, have a good time, see some funny commercials. 
I um during the halftime show, I, what I what I'm know for a fact I'm going to do this year, no matter what the score is, is I'm just going to be checking Twitter and I'm going to be looking for reassurance. Like there's some fans who are like extremely arrogant. Like on any sports team, there's like there's like fans who are like my team is far and away the best. I'm going to look for those Twitter accounts for reassurance, and I'm gonna, I'm going to have them them reassure me because. Mm-hmm. I just hope they have back in the student center. They had like a whole meal event day with like specialty stuff for the That's game. Fun. They had like this pudding cup where it was a, like a turf. It was a turf pudding cup, and you just had like you had that and all that. Oh, and there's Yao. Hi, Yao. Yo, <laughs> hopefully, um, he doesn't think you're a betting man now, Michael. We'll see. But, but I um, I I know that I was telling my grandmother. So if the Chiefs lose, um. I will be at Ofusa uh, crying with a milkshake, and if they win, I'll celebrate a Brooklyn slice with pizza. So, Ooh. so why not celebrate with the milkshake? Just do, just do both. The lose milkshake. I probably win will. Milkshake. Well, if if they if they win, if the, if Kansas City wins, I'm probably going to do a few laps running around campus in celebration. Um, I, I may as well stop at Hofstra USA. It's going to be. Um, but if they lose, I I remember. I, I just know I'm gonna walk into my first class and I have an eight AM the day after the Super Bowl. Oh wow. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna be staring at the wall the whole class just in shambles. But if they if they win mm. if they win not to mention, uh no, if they win, everyone's hearing from me. Okay. <laughs> Everyone is hearing from me. I'm not even gonna talk trash. I'm just gonna be annoying. Like I I'm just gonna be straight I'm just gonna be annoying. All of you will be annoyed. And I and it'll be the best thing ever for me. I will expect that text, Michael. So you we'll will get. See. You'll get. You, you, I think you're going to get some phone calls and voicemails, not texts. Okay, all it'll right. It'll be spectacular. I'll look forward to it. You know, it's either going to be uh, Kansas City by Little Richard or Philadelphia Freedom by Ellen John. We're going to find out which <laughs> one is uh, is going to be up on that. I don't think we have it on the on the uh, on the system, but definitely if that uh, that's the case, we'll see what happens. But hopefully everybody enjoys uh, the rest of their week. I know it's only Tuesday, which is kind of odd. I was being on the Thursday show yeah. back in the day. You know, it's like Tuesday, such a middle of the day of the week. Uh, but make sure, please go and tune in for Wednesday. We got great shows all around. Of course, Dallas being on yesterday's as well. Uh, so good to go and check all the time at the morning wake up call that you can. Uh, please enjoy your day. Stay safe. Um, make sure if you're driving, uh, don't text and drive. Uh, and we will see you all come the next time. 